Well, what a morning. Who expected a workout this morning? Um, I'm going to be shorter than I plan to be, which might mean I end up referring to something I haven't mentioned earlier. You know what I mean? Sometimes notes can work like that. Um, but we're looking this morning at John chapter 4, which is Jesus meeting the woman, at the Samaritan woman at the well. And I'm going to start reading, oh, I don't know, about verse 4. So John chapter 4 and verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, that's midday. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples got into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And I was going to mention loads about that, but I'm not now. If you want to know the history of that, come and see me later. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Wow. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right, When you say you have no husband, the fact is, you've had five husbands. The man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Boom! To defend herself, the woman said, So, I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming. When you worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what you do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. I love to put myself in this group at this time. Because no one asked him, what do you want or what are you talking with her about? Normally we see the disciples when they approach something, they just go in full, full blast so they think really stupid and show themselves up. But at this moment, 
they realise that something's happening there. I think maybe it's John, the wise one, who, ca- who arrived first carrying his shopping bags from the town. And he realises something's happening between Jesus and this woman. Something quite deep. And he says, we mustn't disturb that. Peter, where are you? Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> There's something happening here. We're on holy ground. So why? They, they didn't ask, they didn't in- interfere. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, her disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat, you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say four months and then the harvest. I tell you, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Father God, we thank you for this insight. We thank you Jesus for seeing you in action and crossing these boundaries the boundaries of Jew and Samaritan, male and female. Going out to this woman who's outcast from society because she's at the well at midday to avoid the gossip and the shame of her other women in the the, the, the village. We thank you that you introduced her to yourself and to those welling up of life-giving waters. I ask the Holy Spirit, even now as I speak, you are going to reveal yourself in such a way as that to us this morning. To named people here. To people that you know this morning you are drawing to yourself. And for us all to freshly come to drink deep from your well of life-giving waters. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So the consequence of this conversation that goes on is the woman goes back into the town and tells everyone, come and see a man I never knew. They knew everything about me. And the town comes to faith. Jesus stays around for two days and preaches in the town and many come to faith. And later in the book of Acts, when Stephen is stoned, there's a spreading out of the disciples and um, Philip is scattered and he goes down to Samaria and he comes to a town, doesn't say what a town it is, and he preaches a salvation of Jesus to that town and many are saved again. A revival happens. There are consequences of, what, what, of what's happened here. There's a response that happens in that place. And I'm going to invite Anna up just to tell a brief story about some consequences that she has experienced in her life. Oh, sorry. Let's look at the microphone There once was a knock at the door, an invitation made, 
and an eternity changed forever for a family. 47 years ago, a young girl knocked at the door of 17 Quantock Gardens, the family home of Mr. Todd and his six children. Her purpose was to invite her friend Jenny to church. Jenny, a teenager at secondary school, accepted the invitation and ventured to church. She soon began her relationship with Jesus, shutting herself away to read her Bible and pray. And so, at the home of Mr. Todd and his six children, the ripple of the gospel of Jesus began. It went up a generation to Mr. Todd himself. It spread across Jenny's generation to her three sisters. It went down two generations to their children and their children's children. Once upon a time, a young girl named Jenny said yes to Jesus. Because she said yes, Mr. Todd, my dad, met Jesus in his final hour. Because she said yes, Susan, Lisa, that's me, and Tracy met Jesus. Because she said yes, Carl, Grant, and Bradley know Jesus. Because she said yes, Ariane, Joshua, and Molly know Jesus. Because she said yes, Chloe and Connor know Jesus. Because she said yes, our grandchildren will know Jesus. A total of 19 lives were changed forever the day there was a knock at the door. And the ripple continues 47 years later. How fantastic is that? There was a girl in her teenage years who came to the door and did this. In that moment, eternity changes for generations of people. We want to be preparing the way. We want to be preparing the harvest. We do not know what our actions will lead to. As far as I know, that person knocked on the door doesn't know that story. But God can call us to do something. And our action has a response. So I want to bring out three very brief points about how we can prepare for harvest. The first one is let your life speak. We are surrounded by people who are looking at us. Many of those will know we are Christians, whether they're work colleagues, their neighbours, or their family members. And they will see how we lead our lives. They will see what we value. They will see how we respond to things when things go wrong. And they will learn about Jesus through us. We are sowing all the time. And people are observing what we do. I love a Francis of Assisi quote, which I've since found out 
perhaps isn't from him. So I'll put that in. But Francis of Assisi said, I preach the gospel all the time and sometimes I use words. Now, we do need to use words for the gospel, but it's that sense that we are preaching in our lives, we are preaching the values of the kingdom all the time and people see that. Secondly, we are to be led by the Spirit. I love the way Richard started off this morning saying, did you say good morning to Jesus this morning? Because I, every morning of the last how many years, before I get out of bed, I say, come fill me, Holy Spirit. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. And thunder doesn't, or lightning doesn't come down and strike the bed, or the room doesn't shake, or so that I just have that simple prayer before I get out of bed. Because I'm wanting the Spirit to fill me, to lead me, to guide me. And if I've prayed that prayer, if you pray that prayer, you should be expecting a response to that prayer. So as you go through your day and this thought comes into your mind, oh, perhaps it's the Holy Spirit actually prompting something in there. I've lost, I've lost track of the times when things happen like that and I'm prompted to pray about someone or, or, or speak to someone on the phone or text someone and just be obedient to that thought. Just don't dismiss it. If you've prayed, Holy Spirit, fill me today and these things happen, respond. It takes faith to act and then respond to that because the Holy Spirit is working in and through us. It's the whisper of the Holy Spirit we can pick up on. A few weeks ago, I was at a Christian conference and um, they had a response time at the end. And I just felt the Spirit direct me to go and pray for this couple who had responded. So I went down, I was right at the back of the hall, went down just to pray for this couple and bless them. Other people joined me. And afterwards, this couple said to me, before you came, I had a picture of you standing and praying in front of us. Wow. But how easy is it, is it for us to dismiss those promptings? And think, well, there's loads of people here. They don't need me. But actually, God was doing something in that moment to cement something. Thirdly, sowing and reaping. The um, passage, Jesus refers to a proverb, four months now on the harvest. There's this idea that you, you, you sow, four months later, you get the harvest. We are told... Jesus is saying, do you not perceive the harvest is there? Do you not perceive it? I believe those words are still true for us today. The harvest is there. Are we perceiving it? Are we looking to reap that harvest in? Last week, Alan um, talked about the beginning of this building and he referenced a BBC uh, news article that was done on that Easter Sunday morning. And um, someone put it onto Facebook, thank you very much, and I looked at it, I don't know how many other people did. What struck me, that very first Sunday we met here, ten years and two weeks ago, was how many people are no longer here. I was struck with all the people I knew then who are no longer here. And yet, look at us, we are filling this place. Yet, look at us, we have started a new congregation in Chester Street that regularly has 50 to 60 people. The harvest is there. We're looking to grow again and get a new pot, the building across the road, where we can bring this empty pot to God and say, yes, Lord, come fill this one as well. The harvest is there. 
We are, are we are to perceive it and to go for it. If we're believing, if we're preparing for revival, perhaps we should begin to live as if we are in revival. A few weeks ago, Sally looked at John 3, the passage before I'm doing it, and looked at it wonderfully, with this great, most, perhaps most famous verse in the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that none should perish. That is God's heart, that none should perish. And Jesus is able to connect with people, whoever you are, whatever background you have, Jesus is able to connect. And John is a wonderful author because he brings two people together side by side in these two chapters to show a great difference between them, but yet how Jesus overcomes those barriers and reveals himself to them. I'm referring to Nicodemus and this woman at the well. Nicodemus from John chapter 3. He was learned. He was powerful. Respected, orthodox, theologically trained. The woman was unschooled, without influence, despised and capable of folk religion. Nicodemus was a man, he was a Jew, he was a ruler. He came to Jesus at night. This lady was a woman, a Samaritan, a moral outcast, and she came to Jesus in the full sun of daylight. Both need Jesus. Both need to have their lives turned around. So whatever social group you might feel you identify with, you need Jesus. Jesus is at your well. He's at that place where you receive refreshment from. And he wants to engage with you. He wants to encounter you. Encounter you in the place that you are always going. Jesus can meet you there. Will you open your eyes? Will you perceive that he is there? And whether you come to him in shame or whether you come to him in pride, he is able to meet you and supply your need. In excess. Oh. I've learned something. He is able to meet you and excessively, abundantly, extravagantly supply what you need. Jesus is the only one that can give you truly refreshing waters. Waters that are welling up into eternal life. We are in a broken world. We are in a place where things are rotten, where things go wrong. And we need to have a fresh start. We need to be able to start again. And that is the wonderful truth of the gospel. 
In John 4, Jesus speaks about we can start again because we can be born again. The message of Jesus coming to earth, sent by God to, to pave the way for us, is that we can be rescued, we can be restored, and we can be given a fresh start in life. That old slate wiped clean and a fresh start given to us. That's how generous God is to us. He wants to give us that fresh life, that fullness of life that can only come with Jesus. Solomon, the great king, the wisest person ever lived, he said that there's eternity is in the heart of every person. That's kind of been paraphrased, that there's a, a God-shaped hole in people's hearts. But eternity is set there. What will you fill that with? That hole is meant to be filled with Jesus. But we can fill it with all sorts of other things. It could be family. It could be our career. It could be money. It could be sports. We have a hole in our heart that only that is ready for Jesus to fill. But we can put other things in there. And this morning we're going to have an opportunity to come to God and say, no, I want to fill that hole with Jesus fully with Jesus and if you know Jesus already and you also feel I put other things in there we're going to have a time to be able to say I'm sorry I do want to put you first in everything that I do the well in this story is over 100 feet deep it was built by ancestors. It was hard work to get water from that well. And Jesus comes along and says, I will give you water that will bubble up. It will well up into eternal life. You've got the picture there of the well actually overflowing. It's no longer hard work to receive water. It's just there. It's bubbling over. It's fresh all the time. That's the spiritual picture that Jesus is painting for us. And this morning, we can come to him. Access is open. His His wonderful generosity is there for us to receive from him. And I'd like us to respond to that opportunity to come to Jesus afresh and say, yes, I want those life-giving waters. So Simon, if one of you could come and join us on the keys, please. I wonder if you could stand. I want us to be in before God and really allow the Spirit to minister to us. So if you want to just close your eyes and open your hands, just in a way to practically come before God. Because I want to have opportunity for perhaps two groups to respond this morning. The first are people who have not yet, they would say themselves, given their lives totally to Jesus. And this morning you want to make that first step. It's just a journey, it's the first step on a journey. But you want this morning to take that first step. To say that, I want, I, I know I fill my heart with all sorts of things, but I want to now fill it 
with Jesus. The one who fills me, sustains me with a water that's so refreshing, that's so life-giving. I want to know the water that allows Granny Annie to be dancing at the front with the students. That life-giving spirit. And secondly, maybe some of us who feel that we've just added something in to that, 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 hole, that hole in our, in our lives. We've added other things in. I want to give a chance for people to respond to that as well. So while everyone's got their eyes closed, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And then at the end I'm going to ask for a response for raising a hand. We won't make, make, um, make a public thing of it, but just to raise a hand. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, now to touch people's hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just feel those life-giving waters filling up. The Spirit comes. The Spirit fills you as you ask in faith and expectation. Thank you, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pray now. Dear Jesus, I recognise I have a need in my life for you. I recognise that I am broken, that I've gone my own way for too long. And this morning I want to turn afresh to you. I want to turn away and to embrace you, King Jesus. That you died so that my sins could be forgiven. I could come into a relationship with the Father. And I want to embrace that today and take a step of faith towards you. I ask that in Jesus' precious name. Just while people's eyes are closed and people are just responding to God, if that is a prayer that you've prayed this morning, it's maybe the first time you've prayed that prayer. I'd just like you to raise your hand, please, so I can see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And then perhaps for others, if you felt this morning that You haven't always had Jesus Central. You've allowed other things to come in to draw you aside. I want to have an opportunity for you to respond as well this morning. Just publicly in in your own heart to say, yeah, I want to come back to you, Lord. Forgive me for going astray again. I want to embrace once again the love of the Father. I want to just raise your hand if you prayed that way. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. You have touched 
people's hearts by the power of your Spirit. And we pray this morning that you fill each person here with the strength and the energy they require to embrace you fully and to know that overflowing, bubbling well of your life that you give. And strengthen us now as we go from this place, as we prepare for harvest, as we prepare the way for Jesus to come. We want to walk fully in your way and be so totally loved and to be aware of the Father's love for us. We respond in faith, King Jesus. Amen.